Of Bucky's fifth podcast, uh, an early week edition. This is Jay Kokorowski, and joining me versus will be a basketball based one. Got Jim Polzine, Wisconsin State Journal, uh, one of our favorites on the show. You heard him in the fall talking, kind of doing a preview. Jim, how's it going, man? Good, real good. It's crazy um, that we only have five weeks left in the regular season. Uh, it's gone fast, and I know the next uh, five to seven to eight, however many weeks Wisconsin lasts, uh, are going to go even faster. And I think that's crazy. I mean, you mentioned like we've gone by so fast. It's uh, they're 16 and six, eight and three in the Big Ten. Heading into this week, they have two road matchups: so Minnesota on Wednesday, Michigan on Saturday. Uh, I, uh, maybe the biggest thing, just kind of talking about. Did you foresee them being in kind of at this point, this time of the year? You know, I didn't go through game by game, but I think if you went back and listened to our podcast at the beginning of the season, I think I predicted them to finish fourth in the Big Ten. I, I really thought they'd get back into the NCAA tournament. I thought they could get back in the mix for um, a top four finish. And I think a lot of the season has played out um, kind of like how I would have thought it would in terms of the Big Ten race. I thought Michigan and Michigan State were, uh, you know, the favorites. I think Purdue's probably a little bit better than I thought they would be. And certainly them winning here was a huge win, and um, that's really kind of a big reason why they are where they are. Um, but Wisconsin's kind of, you know, I just thought they'd have a bounce-back year, and, and I thought Ethan Happ would be his normal self, and the guys around him would be more experienced and better, and that's, you know, that's played out the way. Now, I, like I said, I didn't go through game by game because I wouldn't have had them losing at home to Minnesota. Um, you know, maybe went to have them winning at Nebraska, but that was before the injury to Copeland. So, you know, it's been it's been a, a, a strange season. Looking at Wisconsin now, they are sitting in fourth place, as you talked about earlier, with that uh, 16 and six, eight and three in the Big Ten. There's a three-way tie between Purdue, uh, Michigan State, Michigan atop the Big Ten. And I mean, you see the trends. That five-game winning streak is huge, Jim. That's helped them get to that point. Uh, where they are now heading into this week with Minnesota and Michigan on the road. But what are just some of the trends uh, where you're seeing they're not committing as many turnovers, especially the last three games. Uh, they're, they're holding opponents to season lows uh, on the defensive end. Uh, but what are you seeing through your eyes? I think defensively is where they've made the biggest um, strides in the last month. And, you know, you often see that happening. Uh, Greg Gard talks about it all the time that um, you get – a defense or players that get more reps together defensively and they develop this synergy and this chemistry and I think that's what's happening is that um, player A kind of knows what player B is going to do he knows when to help and and stuff like that and they're just kind of becoming a unit um, instead of individual pieces out there and and I think individually I think guys have made strides too um, I think Trice has gotten a little better a little bit better over the last month defensively um, and Nate Reavers has probably made strides too and then I think the other three starters are probably all Big Ten caliber type defensive all defensive team guys I mean I think Cleo Iverson is certainly in that mix he usually guards the other team's best perimeter player Brad Davison we all know what he can do defensively Um, Ethan Happ I think is an underrated defender who's really um, taken on the expanded role of kind of guarding the stretch fours now and so I think any one of those three guys could be all defensive team this year and that says a lot that you have three legitimate candidates so I think together combine it all um, you're seeing a defense that's just kind of come of its own the last month 
Yeah, and again, the last five games, they're holding opponents to 35.7% shooting, uh, which is stellar right now and uh, going 5-0 and in that point. But uh, let me ask you, you talked about Ethan Happ and talked about maybe like I mean, an underrated defend, a defender, but you see the stats and what he's put up this year, over 18 points a game, 10, 11 rebounds a game, another five assists. And I asked Nick Oson from Scotty Sports Talk about this last week. Do you feel like he's – fans have seen him for the past four years playing – uh, you know, at a high level. And this year, obviously, two triple-doubles, the double-doubles that he's had this so far, he's taken, I think, to the next level. But do you feel like perhaps they fans may take his play for granted with just how good he is? I think so. I think that's a natural, natural tendency for people, too, is when they watch a guy for four years, um, you kind of don't know what you got till, you're, till he's gone in a lot of ways. Um, I think... Um, I think there's people who just don't appreciate everything he does for this pro. I mean... You just I don't know that we're going to see another player who is going to finish top five or top three, really, in scoring, rebounding, assists, blocks, and steals here. It's just – and he's a 6'10 center. You know, yeah. that, that's the crazy thing about him. So um, – and defensively, like I said before, I just think he's underrated and, and just a really good defender. Um, I think people probably get hung up on the free throws and the turnovers. Right, and, right. And that's fair. I mean, I've written about both those um, things, and especially the free throws, is that – the thing is that people, a lot of people have played basketball. A lot of fans have played basketball, and um, some of them might have been good foul shooters growing up, and, and they look at Ethan Happ and say, why can't he be a good foul shooter? And so they get hung up on that. And, and so instead of looking at um, one of the things he can't do, which is a key part of the game, don't get me wrong, um, I just think it's probably better to look at all the things he can do, and, and his value to the program is just immense. Like, I, I can't imagine this team without Ethan Happ on it, and next year it's going to be a real... It's going to be a really interesting year. I'm not saying this program's going to slide, but it's just going to be uh, it's going to be different not having Ethan Happ on the court for 30 minutes doing all the little things he does. And, I mean, you know, you see his contributions, the little things that he does, uh, looking at some of the players that are maybe the more role players. You see, saw Charles, you know, Charles Thomas have a big game a couple games ago with in six minutes, five points, three rebounds, that clutch three-pointer to, to keep the game tied there. Uh, Brevin Pritzel, I would say even – he may not have had a lot of shots, but, you know, he's made them count against Nebraska, that three-pointer with about a minute left that really kind of capped the scoring for Wisconsin, but really gave, gave him a better cushion for seven points at halftime and then hits two big ones, you know, against Maryland this past week too. Uh, and then a lean forward, ten points – as well against Maryland just it seems like they're finding plays players outside of Hap or Davison who had 21 against Maryland or Trice who only had seven some people some people are stepping up here and there with some key plays where that's helping contribute to this win streak as well right you don't know who it's going to be which is you know problematic I guess in some regards is that you have some guys on the bench that are inconsistent but I think the good thing is is that lately at least um two or one or two or maybe more of them have stepped up and you need you need that you need you need at least solid contributions from two of your bench players every game um just because you're not you're not talented enough to survive otherwise and and like you said it's been different guys you know ford um you know i'm waiting to see him do it a little bit more consistently i think that would be huge if he can find his stroke down the stretch and and be a consistent um three-point threat um you know i'm glad you mentioned pritzel i think i think pritzel's played really well lately and just um, rebounding, just stuff it's like that. Things. It's the little things, you know, and he, his movement on offense, I think that goes um, maybe unnoticed too to some people is that um, this offense tends to get stagnant at times when, when Ethan Happ has the ball um, on the low post. And I think Pritzel is one of the guys that 
is pretty good at cutting and keeping this offense kind of flowing. So I think when he's in there, it just kind of keeps things moving a little bit better. So, you know, ideally you'd like to have all of them playing well and all nine guys who play playing well, but that's probably not going to happen, right? And right. so you need, like you said, if, if Trice, if a Reavers isn't playing well, you know, then two guys off the bench have to play well probably if this team's going to survive. And, and so far lately during this win streak, certainly, um, you know, they've had guys step up. I was just mentioning Reavers too. We've seen him career high, 22 points at Illinois. First career double double was at 10 rebounds, and then you know he had the big the big game, especially in the second half against Maryland, which was before the winning streak. But then coming up, I mean, he had 10 points against Nebraska, but he had if I'm not mistaken some early foul trouble, and then came back and only had three personals. But then against you know Northwestern and and against Maryland, just it seems like he's had there's a little bit. He's not as consistent after he flashes much in the past few games. Uh, it seems like also with the fouls, maybe especially against Maryland, there were some times where he didn't know what, what to expect or what was being called. I, how do you assess that play? I mean, he is only a second-year player. He's still growing into his body where he's got another, probably another 10 to 20 pounds to add on to, you know, before all said and done in his career. Yeah, I think you just said it. He's a second-year player, and I think that's um, – you see this a lot is that there's a roller coaster ride and, and – uh, you know, a guy can be great one night and not so great the next, or even within a game, um, quiet in one half and explode in the second half. So I think it's just a guy that's trying to figure out some things yet. And one of the common themes in a lot of his big games is that Ethan has been on the bench in foul trouble, and Nate's really had to do it. And I think Nate feels more confident being the guy when he knows he has to be the guy and, and the, the main guy is on the bench over there. So I think that's, it's probably a, um, a mentality thing. And I think that's, you know, I think we talk about what, what's life going to be like without Ethan Happ next year. Um, I, I do think we'll see more of the high-end Nate Reavers because he knows he, he'll know he has to be that guy. And I think he'll be more comfortable being that guy in, in the, on, the low, on the, the low block and stuff. So, you know, I guess this shouldn't be surprising. I think everybody after the Illinois game was like, oh, you know, it's, from here on out, it's going to be smooth sailing, and that's probably just not realistic to expect, especially when he gets in foul trouble. I think that can't be um, understated, is when you get in foul trouble, it, it, it changes your focus, it changes your mentality, and you probably play a little differently the rest of the game. So I think the key for him Wednesday night at Minnesota maybe is just to, you know, not stay out of foul trouble in the first half and get in a rhythm and get in a groove, and, um, you know, maybe that'll kind of help spur his scoring and, and other things. Yeah, it leads us into this week, and it's a busy. I mean, this week, and then next week, even. I mean, they're playing within a matter of six game, six days, three games, and yeah. two are against top ten teams with number seven Michigan, number is it number yeah number seven Michigan, number nine I Michigan State. Yeah, updates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as of today, with the top twenty-five Badgers now are number nineteen, a jump of five spots, and it's uh, get first off against Minnesota. I mean, uh, this is a team that they lost fifty-nine fifty-two. They scored only 14 points, had a horrendous first-half shooting. Still played pretty well defensively, held the Gophers underneath 60. It's just they couldn't find the, the bottom of the basket. But is it sort of the same thing? You're seeing two repeat opponents you've already played this year. Is it a kind of just containing a guy like Jordan Murphy again, who only scored five points and 11 rebounds? I believe he fouled out as well. And then a guy like Amir Coffey, who had 21 here in the Cole Center. Is that kind of still the same thing, the same type of mentality that they don't beat themselves up as well? Yeah, I mean, that's a, the three things I remember from that game that I think stood out to me at least were um, Coffey really being Minnesota's only sense of off, only source of offense. Um, I thought Wisconsin did a really good job. And even, I don't know that they did a 
terrible job on coffee. I thought he made some really tough shots and just played really well that game. And, you know, that game easily could have been like 16-14 at the half, if not for Amir Coffee, because he was, um, you know, he was really, really solid. Um, the other thing is obviously Wisconsin shooting. You're just not going to survive a shooting night like that. they got to knock down some shots. Um, you know, they have to get Ethan half the ball and let him distribute. And then the other guys, the Trices, the Davisons, the Fords, um, the Kings maybe, um, just need to knock down some shots. They don't need to be red hot, but they, they need to shoot you know, 35% or better, I would think, to have a chance. Um, and the third thing is, they're, all that stuff said, they were still in the game down the stretch uh, here and committed some really bad turnovers and, right. and three right in a row, and that, you know, killed their chance at, at finishing off the rally. And, um, you know, as you mentioned before, turnovers, uh, you know, this is one of the best teams in the country in terms of turnover percentage. Uh, but when they do commit turnovers, it's they seem to come in bunches and they seem to come at bad times. So, you know, if you're going to win on the road, you got to take care of the ball, uh, and, and they'll have to do that on Wednesday night. Yeah, and I mean, then you have Michigan heading to Ann Arbor, and obviously a team, Michigan, that comes off a, they had a, you know, a loss at Iowa, um, yeah. and now, I mean, is it still kind of maintaining the same takeaway or the same type of, I guess, keys to the game that happened you know a couple Saturdays ago I mean, it's, it's hard because obviously you're in a road atmosphere so the, and you probably Michigan obviously wants to stay atop the Big Ten and there's gonna be an added atmosphere with them you know trying to get a little bit of revenge probably but I, I guess what are the keys to try to take a win away you know from Ann Arbor same things I think I mean I think this program is kind of the pillars of this program are never really changed take care of the ball play solid defense um, you know, make some take good shots and, and make those shots. You know, I think that's those those really the only three things that um, if if you do those three things, you give yourself a chance. Now maybe you don't win because maybe Michigan plays up to its capability and, and beats you at home. Um, but I think if you know the the bottom line is you need to do those three things: take care of the ball, and take good shots, and play good defense, and then at least you have a chance. We won't get into Michigan State, but yeah. my question for you. On February, yeah, which is going to be a tough, yeah, obviously a tough one. They no, on this question's a tough one. Oh, this one, oh, yeah. this one, this one yeah. coming up, yeah, because yeah, we prep beforehand because I'm trying to be a good podcast host. Uh, but February 13th, that is the day after the Michigan State game, which is next Tuesday, the 12th. What will be their conference? How many conference losses will they have? So they're eight and three right now. I think they're going to have five conference losses, and I don't know that that's a reflection so much on Wisconsin, but just in terms of the the schedule being what it is, I I don't know which ones. I would say um, they're going to win. Um, I just look at the overall schedule. It's tough to win at Minnesota. It's really tough to win at Michigan. And Michigan State's had their number. So all three of those games could be losses. I think they'll find a way to win one of them. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they win two of them. It would really shock me if they win all three, just because um, that's, a, that's a gauntlet. Um, but if you can somehow get through these next three games, one and two or two and one, the rest of the schedule is not easy because nothing's easy in the Big Ten this year. But it's um, it's manageable, and you know I, I I got a piece running in Tuesday State Journal and breaking down the schedules of the remaining team or the contenders, and Wisconsin's got the second easiest schedule of the contenders. Purdue's got the easiest schedule by far, but Wisconsin's next, and you wouldn't think that based on these next three games. But once they get through this gauntlet, um, the last six are are manageable, and so you know you don't want to dig yourself another hole. They already dug themselves almost out of one hole you can't dig yourselves into another one. So I think this, this next, um, you know, these next eight, nine days are huge. And not just in terms of the Big Ten race, but NCAA tournament seeding, stuff like that. Um, it's, you know, this team's played really, really well these last three weeks. Um, 
let's see if they can continue it. Jim, man, it's always great having you on the show. Love to have, have you back on again soon. And I owe you, like I told you before, I owe you a beer and a beer rock one of these days. But uh, anything else coming up for this from the State Journal from you? Uh, I'm doing something for game day Wednesday on the success Wisconsin's had recruiting the state of Minnesota. Um, as, you know, that's, that's certainly not a story that um, is new. It's, but this has been a 15 year type thing, um, starting with Cam Taylor back in 04. I think that was recruiting class. But I talked to Greg Gard a little bit about just kind of the genesis of this, of getting the recruiting going in Minnesota. And he, he gave me some really interesting stuff. So I'm going to go home and write that right now. And, uh, and hopefully fans enjoy just kind of a look at, you know, why Wisconsin's been um, so successful in that state and, and, and really why it's helped this program be so successful over the years. Jim, you're amazing, man. Appreciate your time as always. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We're going to take a quick break, guys. Come back. Aleem Ford talking about his 10 points, working on his improvement, what he's working on, improving on, and then looking ahead to Minnesota. This is Bucky's fifth podcast. This is Jay Kokorowski here for Bucky's fifth podcast, and we are here with Aleem Ford. Big game against Maryland, the 69 61 win, 10 points, 4 6 shooting, 2 of 4 from three pointer point range. How does it feel like, you know, get hitting double digits and points, but, you know, hitting some key shots towards the end of that game, which were, you know, critical. Uh, those three-pointers, you know, help, you know, one, get the lead back uh, for you guys, and then two, you know, the second three would give you guys some distance. Uh, it's definitely a confidence booster. Um, just being out being out there in uh, late-game situations and just being able to contribute and make some things happen for the team is definitely something that I'm proud of. So when, for those that haven't played ba- you know, basketball like in a, such a competitive setting like college basketball, what's the feeling where you have a Kohl Center crowd, they had the whiteout going on, mm-hmm. the, the energy was there, comparable, even more so maybe than yeah. even the Michigan game. But what does it feel like when you drain a shot like that and you hear the place explode? Uh, it, it's amazing. It's, I don't really know any words for it to explain exactly how it feels, but it's just, uh, it's just great to see the crowd so into it. And we can definitely tell that the team, the the difference in the arena and the energy boost that it gives the team. As I say, with that, you, you also pulled down, you know, three rebounds. You had that offensive rebound that for the, that turned into the tip in during, you know, or before the three pointers hit. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, you also helped draw, force a turnover with, you know, a travel. But what what play stood out to you the most, in, in your opinion, from that game on, on your end? Um, I'd say the tip in. Uh, I've. I've always been able to shoot the three ball, and that's something that comes fairly easy, uh, even though I haven't been shooting the ball too well. But just, just being active, and the coaching staff has been talking to me about being active and doing more of the little things to contribute when I'm out there on the floor. So just being able to to just get in and get in the mix and have that tip in is definitely something that I look back at at the game and feel like I need to do more of. As I say, when it comes to... Uh, I know you have had a, you know, there's a hint of a rough, rough stretch before that game where, you know, uh, you didn't have any points, I think, for the last three. Uh, what do you tell yourself during those games, that stretches, to kind of keep confidence up or, or just, you know, how do you keep yourself focused, you know, through times where, you know, maybe you're not hitting the shots that you thought you should? Um, I'd say uh, during the, the Nebraska game, I was 0 for 7 from the field, but um, I was just more excited about the win and then just being the fact that I didn't really contribute with much scoring and we were still able to pull out the win just just shows that if I just keep being aggressive and uh, I know the shots will fall eventually I'm not gonna miss the rest of the shots for the rest of the season so if I just keep being aggressive and keep taking good looks I know that they'll fall and that'll just add on to what I can bring even more. 
I was gonna say when it comes to uh, your teammates, you know, and your coaches, what did they tell you? What, what, what are they telling you? Not just in practice, but you know, either you know, away off the court, or you know, what now? What are they telling you to just continually, you know, just, I don't know, just to help you work through things? Uh, to just keep being aggressive. Uh, not once throughout that stretch did I hear Coach Guard to tell me to turn down a shot. He just always says to to keep being aggressive, and the coaching staff as a whole is just always saying to to just always look if it's a good if it's a good look take it and even uh other guys have just kept saying like shoot or shoot you're a shot maker not a shot taker so just just keep being aggressive and i've just been getting positive uh info from everyone on the team when it comes to with with looking ahead and and what you guys are you know actually maybe before that looking back what are some of the things that you've you've worked on improving this year and what are some of the things that you're still hoping to kind of hone in on you know throughout the season and beyond uh, I definitely feel like I've been more aggressive in the past recent games, even though my shot hasn't been falling how I would like it to be, but just being more aggressive and being able to, to get to the rim or get rebounds and just make plays and contribute on like all aspects of the game. And when it comes to looking ahead to uh, to Minnesota, Kobe King's right next to us. Uh, looking ahead to Minnesota, this yeah. is your first time to Williams to the barn, right? Because mm-hmm. you guys only played against Minnesota here at the Cole Center last year, yeah. right? What have you heard about the barn and, and the atmosphere there? Um, I was able to experience it my true freshman year, uh, with my redshirt year, just being on the road and seeing the atmosphere at the barn and just just seeing that it's a tough environment and. It was really good to see our uh, team pull out the win there my freshman year. So I know what to expect. I, I haven't been there before playing-wise, but I'm, like, I'm ready for it. I look forward to it. They have that elevated <laughs> court. Like, how, what's the, what do you have to prepare for that? <laughs> I, honestly, there's no way to prepare for it. I mean, you, you've probably seen it on TV and things like that. But um, once you see it, it's a little different. But once you start playing the game, your, your focus is uh, mostly on the game and not the surroundings. I was going to say, like, I mean, you have Minnesota and then you have Michigan on Saturday, but, you know, and then Michigan State next Tuesday. So you guys have a busy stretch where you're playing three games in six days, really. But my question, like, when it comes to, like, just focusing on Minnesota, just you've already faced them this year. Is it easier to play? Is it easier to scout that you've played against them already this year? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we do have a tough stretch, but just uh, the second game around, you're, you've been there before, you've tend to know player tendencies and you've experienced it all before so we go back in the film session and we watch uh clips from the last game and then we just pretty much like tone in on what they what they like to do and we've all had situations with them before so just being able to experience it a second time definitely makes it a lot easier i would say keys to the game in your opinion obviously I mean, maybe that's i know first game 14 points in the first half i know that's one key is to get yeah. hot early but what are some of the keys that I mean, you guys limited jordan murphy in terms mm-hmm. of points uh with five but i know amir coffee went off for about 21 but yeah. what are some of the keys to the game that you're seeing from your vantage point now uh i'd say transition defense uh coach has been talking about how they've been pushing it a lot more recently in these last few games so i know that's one of their uh, tendencies and something that they like to do so just being able to corral them in transition and uh, load them on the defensive end and make them play from the outside. I know they're not the best three-point shooting team. We're not going to give them any easy looks, but just make them take shots that they most likely wouldn't like to take or are comfortable taking. And we're going to wrap things up here on Bucky's fifth podcast. Again, thanks to Liam Ford for talking with us, as well as Jim Polzine, Wisconsin State Journal. And Jim will be up there in Minneapolis. Bucky's fifth quarter won't be up at the barn, but 
uh, make sure you check us out. We'll have some game recaps, some analysis as well coming up uh, for both Minnesota and Michigan. We will be in the Kohl Center on the 12th when Wisconsin hosts number nine Michigan State. But uh, for now, uh, again, big thanks to Liam Ford and Jim Polzine. Find us on Twitter at B5Q. For me, at B5Q. And then our Instagram page. Make sure you check out some of Dan Singer's great photos. Really great photography from him. And then check us out. Obviously, we have our new home on Megaphone. And just go anywhere. iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you find podcasts, look up Bucky's Fifth Quarter. You'll find us there. So, enough talking for me. This is Jay Kokorowski signing off from just outside the Kohl Center. We'll talk to you guys later this week for a National Signing Day wrap-up show here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Yeah.